Hello, and welcome to 218 Time, a podcast by two guys with an approximate knowledge of many things. I'm Feats. And I'm Tommy. And we are back in business. Oh, yeah. It's been a hot minute since we recorded an episode together, mm-hmm. but we're back. We're coming back with heat. I'm, I mean, I'm fine. I'm, you know. You're just chilling? Yeah, I'm just chilling. Just wasting away <laughs> hour by hour. Yeah. I've been spending a lot of time sitting around wanting to be productive and proactive, but instead just playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 for hours on end. Have you been playing a lot of that? Oh, I've been playing far too much of that. The 2005 one. Well, yeah. Well, appara- I will say, I will say, apparently the new one is actually, like, they picked it up and it's actually pretty good. Yes, so... I mean, not as good as the original, never. Of course not. The first two Battlefront games, which came out... First one right before Revenge of the Sith in 2004, and then the second one right after the Revenge of the Sith, I think, in 2005. Both those games are highly regarded by the community, especially the second one, as one of the best, most beloved Star Wars games. And then they had the more recent two in the 2010s, which was kind of a reboot of the franchise under a different company. Not so hotly received at first, but you are right. The second one has kind of picked up, and I think it just came out with its last major update, like within the past couple months, I think. And I saw people, like, in comments on posts being like, wait, it's it's over? That's that's so disappointing. Because <laughs> I, I think it really came around. Yeah, and for, also from what I heard, like, it was a mixture of, like, it came around, but also there was so much that I think, not necessarily that they said they were going to do, because, like, I, I don't know if they had explained plans, but there was so much that was expected that just didn't end up showing up. Yeah. I mean, they had to do a lot of from my understanding kind of changes to appease people because there was a lot of controversy over loot boxes and the system of how you get the heroes which are kind of like the special characters in the game you have to unlock in each battle good on them for managing to turn it around i will say that much i think a big reason that people were disappointed with these is because kind of like a Teen Titans situation where there was supposed to be a Battlefront 3 that was gonna like take the first two games and combine them into this epic really impressive video game with seamless ground battles and space battles and Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff like that yeah and and I feel like out of any game Star Wars game I feel like Star Wars Battlefront 2 the original especially was and the original Battlefront because they were pretty similar games with some minor differences because they came out pretty quickly within each other right within a year yeah yeah so like they were very approachable just because like things like kotor and stuff like they're good games and they're fantastic games and i'm not you know saying that they're not but like they're sometimes really hard to approach yeah i mean especially kotor is a deep rpg with like a lot of lore and a huge universe yeah and then like about battlefront is like literally you don't need any prior experience of star wars i started playing it when i was like seven or eight so this was only a few years after it came out at one of my friend's houses and like i sucked at first he was really good at it and i sucked at first but like i was able to get good at it and at that time i was hot garbage at video games like i just could not get good at anything i've gotten better now but weren't we all and also no you still suck shut up I also, as a child, was just oh, <laughs> very, very bad. I was kind of an example of sometimes getting a little too mad at the game for things that were absolutely my fault. Being younger, too, your hands just do not work with a controller. 
it was built for teenagers and up. Like it was not built for center your like if you I mean if you look at like, the Switch controller, yeah, you know that it's for people of any age just because like you can take them apart and stuff and they're very easy to manipulate and stuff but like the ps4 controller i have one right next to me and like i have decent sized hands and it's still i mean it doesn't feel super duper bulky but like it's actually a pretty well designed controller but like if i had like smaller hands to a degree like i couldn't imagine playing with this yeah no that's absolutely true i mean it's just kind of a prime example of the audience difference between the companies like you pointed out you know nintendo is obviously very much trying to appeal to a wider range Mm -hmm. of people but playstation and xbox are more i don't want to say mature because that kind of has that implies a sense of superiority which is not the case well a big thing about playstation and xbox is most of their games do not come from in-house most of their big name titles come from different companies while with nintendo a lot of their companies, a lot of their games, like, all their big-name games come from in-house. They come from Nintendo. Nintendo has, like, a vertical, like, market, basically, on everything that they do. They make the games, they make the console, and then a lot of times they sell it from their own, not necessarily stores, but they are very directly involved in selling games. But with, like, PlayStation, it's like, they'll make some of the games or they'll have a hand in some of the games, but for the most part, it is not that at all. That's very true. I think there's a case of you sit there and you say, oh, I'm playing a Nintendo game, but people don't really say I'm playing a Sony game. Yeah. It's it's different than that because it really is just from a corporate level, a different, you know, level of management. So. Yeah, exactly. But they've both proven to have their merits. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're both Nintendo fans here, but I know we also have spent a lot of time on our PlayStations and Maybe, I don't know how much time you spent on the Xbox. Not so much for me, but... Um, I've spent a lot of time on the Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 was, like, that and the Wii, and the 3DS, of course, or the DS, or whichever one it was at the time, were, like, the consoles of my childhood. I didn't get a PlayStation 4 until I was, like, 13 or so. When did the PS4 come out? 2013. Everyone was like, what? The next-gen consoles are coming out? I feel like I just got my PS4. It's seven years old. Yeah, seven years is a long time, especially yeah. for people who are kind of in that one of the primary groups that buys a PlayStation is, you know, the tweens. Yeah. And very young teenagers who seven years for them is still a lot of time. And um, what's it called? So, like, the Wii U came out in uh, almost exactly a year before. It came out in 2012, November 18th, because I think the PS4 I read said november 13th 2013 that's a console that could hold breath of the wild which is like a huge game and like the switch came out five years later and it is a tiny console like it's insane something like the size and the portability of a 3d i won't say the portability of a 3ds because the 3ds is like it's only, i've been playing a lot of ds recently but um classic console five years is a lot of time for technology and seven years like is ancient for technology like a lot of games are being held back because they were like, okay, we're going to have to make this for PS4 and for PS5. The original Destiny was made for um, both like the Xbox 360 and PS3 as well as um, the PS4 and Xbox One era. And Really? Yeah, and so the reason why the game was actually kind of small, it was not a big game, um, was because they had to account for the players on the older gen. But then as soon as Destiny 2 came out, like, nobody was playing on those consoles anymore, and they were in the 
a phase where they didn't have to make the game for that anymore. Like, the game is a lot bigger. And then Breath of the Wild... Breath of the Wild 2, I have a feeling, is going to be massive. You think so? Oh my gosh, I think it's going to be ridiculous. Just because they don't have to worry about the Wii U anymore, they don't have to worry about old tech and stuff, and the Wii U did not get game updates, really. But the Switch, you do have to download updates and stuff. So they have, one, more room for error, and two, they have better hardware to work with. So, like, I think it's going to be huge, and I think it's going to have a lot more to do, and I'm very excited about that. But, like, yeah, no. The Wii U just, like, I think held back the original Breath of the Wild a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point. My first response to that was just thinking about Ocarina of Time versus Majora's Mask, and how Majora's Mask is a much smaller game, but is so dense. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, I was just assuming they would do that again, but you make a very good point. Games can very easily be held back by that in the early years, which is kind of like, as exciting as it is for things to be a launch title, sometimes you're like, it's worth waiting a few years because the game's going to be that much better. There's certain just things. I'm glad that the GameCube started with Luigi's Mansion and not like Mario Sunshine, you know? I mean, Mario Sunshine's not a perfect game by any means, but, and neither is Luigi's Mansion, but it was nice that they, like, started simple and then could figure out how to be more ambitious, and it wasn't too restrictive, I feel like. Yeah, and, and, and so, like, another thing with, like, game restrictions is the reason why a lot of games do not go to PC is because as much as certain PlayStations can handle, um... A PS4 is going to be, at least hardware-wise, for the most part, pretty much the same thing as every other PS4. But unless you buy a stock PC from, like, a company, most people, a lot of people, because it's just cheaper and it's really not that hard, build their own PC, your PC is going to be vastly different from someone else's PC for a lot of reasons. One, just, like, what you are looking for to your price range and three just how serious you are about it and like the reason why a lot of video games come out so much later for pc is because they have to optimize it and try and make it work on as crappy a computer they can basically i did not even think about that but that's a really good point i was sitting there looking at the origin store um the other day and i was looking at control because i've been really interested in that game i know it came out a while ago at this point but like it looks so cool and i really want to play it but i'm looking at i looked at the steam page actually and it wasn't coming until like august i think and i was like oh and also if you look down at system requirements it's to be like determined basically because they're trying that's what they're doing is they're trying to optimize it because the thing is my computer it's a great computer it has got me through a lot and the only reason i think that it's chugging along so badly is because i have not taken good care of it but like it's five years old now and that's when a computer really starts to hit the end of its i'm not gonna say usefulness because once again it's it's a really good computer it's just like it starts to hit the wall of like people aren't making things for that computer anymore people are making things for the new wave of computers but but like the thing is game companies are still trying their hardest yeah it's like, I'm, I was constantly surprised. I was using Windows 7 up until, like, two months ago. I grew up with... Well, I didn't grow up with Windows 7, but, like, in my formative years, I was used to Windows 7, so I've known it my whole life. And that's less of a hardware thing and more of a software thing, but, you know, there's a lot of games that would still work on that that, like, 
I feel like probably shouldn't have, but at the same time, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's nice that, like, they were playing to those people, I guess. I don't know about you, but I think the whole kind of war between people of consoles and PC and then different consoles against other consoles is silly. Yeah, they all have great things about them. And a lot of them are marketed to be different things, I feel like. You know what I mean? PlayStation and Xbox have become more and more multi-purpose machines, but, like, Nintendo has never really been pushing for that. And yet, it's not so much a which is better, I would argue. It's kind of more of just a appealing to certain audiences. Like, there's stuff that the Switch doesn't have that I wish they did, software-wise at least, but I also love my Switch. Oh, yeah. I have mine right here. I can just grab it and just ignore you and play some Animal Crossing. Exactly. But PC has its problems, just as the consoles have their problems, and I'm not trying to be just Mr. Nice Guy, like, no conflict. Like, I don't know, I have preferences, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, I didn't play a lot of Xbox, but, I don't know, I don't hate the Xbox. Well, and like, also, I mean, I think something that people forget is that an Xbox or a PlayStation or a Switch are just specialized computers. It's literally mm -hmm. just a computer that the company built to play games and games only. I mean, the Xbox has kind of become, I'm going to say this with heavy quotes, more of a entertainment center thing. It's the same thing. They're, I mean, oh, this one has more processing power. The thing is, with like the PS4 and the Xbox One, you're probably going to be able to play the same games with very little difference maybe one has slightly longer loading time maybe one has slightly worse graphics but like you're playing the same game i guess a, a thing with these consoles is also graphics which like is something i've noticed a lot of people having more mixed opinions on as time goes on because as of when we're recording this it was within the past week or so or a couple weeks that playstation released their big like graphics show-off video for the ps5 oh yeah and don't get me wrong it looks amazing it was gorgeous. it looked ridiculous it was like insane but i saw a lot of the comments at least on instagram being like this is really cool but like i don't care about graphics i only care about the gameplay yeah which like i totally agree i think gameplay should be the priority i will say graphics i think can be really important for immersion and that's not just realism but that's just like committing to the style that you are going for like realism does not immediately equal good graphics i, I don't know it's kind of that mixed thing where it's like i do hope they focus more on optimizing other things rather than pushing graphics because we're getting to a point where it's going to start becoming if it hasn't already less and less noticeable the differences for the average person so like as impressive as it is and as it's something we should keep working on absolutely it's kind of i don't know i have mixed feelings about it unless i guess you're working for like vr stuff yeah so like a big thing is when people say i don't care about graphics i don't really care about the gameplay like the thing is if the game is an eye sort of look at you're not gonna play the game absolutely as like you said gameplay should be the top priority but there are some games that graphics is their whole point that's true. The whole point is that you are in, like, I mean, if you've played, what's that one? It's, um, Journey. The gameplay is fine. It's cool at certain points. They do some cool stuff with it, but you're not playing the game to, you know, jump around and 
play a platformer. You're playing the game because the game is very special. A really cool part about Journey 2 was also... Okay, I'm not gonna... I don't think... I don't think I'll actually spoil anything, just because I don't remember the game that well. Um, but as you're playing around, if there are other people playing the game at the same time, which there generally are, they'll... Like, you'll just randomly connect, and you'll kind of do part of your journey with them. I remember there were these, like, two other guys that I was with that, like, I chilled with for a while. Like, we did, I think, probably... Because I play, it's a very quick game. It's like four, six hours or something. But we did like most of the latter half of the game together. But like when one of my boys like fell and like didn't get back up, I felt that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's no chat, right? No, yeah, no. You're literally just like living with these other people, and like we would wait for each other and stuff. Like if one of us got to the end first, we would kind of sit there for a second, like we'd wait, and it was really cool. It was like one of like. It's such a magical experience, especially because, I don't know, just thinking about that for me, like, you have no idea where those people were from, or even if they speak English. Oh, yeah. And, like, you're never gonna know, but you don't need to. Exactly. And that's just, that's so cool. Yeah, and the thing was, the game was gorgeous, it really ha added to it. Um, there are some other games that were fun, but if they did not have the art style they did, they wouldn't have gotten as popular. Bastion is the one that comes to mind. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous game and it's actually a lot of fun but if it didn't have the art style it did and if they didn't think so hard about the graphics like the game probably would have sucked yeah yeah and the thing is like another thing is like oh well minecraft is a good example of a game doesn't need good graphics i was gonna bring this up too i disagree with people saying that minecraft has bad graphics i think that the graphics are fine i think that the graphics are what they are to serve a purpose i think if the game looked nicer it would be a completely different game in its entirety because in my opinion good graphics isn't necessarily how good they look it's how well they serve the game absolutely and minecraft's graphics literally are probably a good portion of the reason why the game is so popular is because it's so simplistic but also like and it looks really nice i really hate it when people say that minecraft is a game that proves that bad graphics doesn't make the game or whatever. And it's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, there are shaders and stuff, but I'm saying if the game did not have the blocky look, it would not be Minecraft. Yeah, and honestly, I watch people play with shaders and I get the appeal, but to me, it's always kind of taken it to a different level that, like, I don't know, it takes away a little bit for me. And that's not, like, that's just a personal preference thing. That's not being, like, a... Why are you playing with shaders, you fool? You're ruining Minecraft. Yeah, like, no. Not at all. Um, but I completely agree because as a nine-year-old or whenever, however old I was when it came out, I think that's part of what drew me in because there were other, you know, sandbox games where you can terraform things and stuff. But that totally would have just been super daunting to me. Graphics, they're important. They're a lot more important than people try to say they are. But the thing is, like, not for the reasons people say. I think. It applies to, like, so many forms of just storytelling and art. Visuals, whether you like it or not, is a really important thing. Like, first impressions, as much as it suck, are important in people. As much as you want to say don't judge a book by its cover, a good book cover is designed to distill everything about the book and summarize it in a visually interesting way to draw you in. Even the pages of a book, as much as there's nothing going on there, you know what I mean? Like, the font choice and the alignment on the page, if that was even slightly like too much you might look at it and be like this looks weird 
or this looks unprofessional if, say, words were being cut off the side of the page. It's tiny. I have, like, 100% looked at a book that's font was super-duper small and was like, I'm not reading this. Exactly. Not that I couldn't read it, like, because it was too small, but just because it looked so daunting, I was like, I don't feel like reading this. I would... It, it gives off, like, a textbook sense, because textbooks are so dense that when, like, a book does the same thing, I just feel like it's a textbook, and I'm not going to read a textbook cover to cover. I'm not that type of person. Graphics. They're important, man. Breath of the Wild probably wouldn't have been as popular if the graphics hadn't been uh, so amazing. That was another example I was going to bring up. I will never forget one of my friends, who is a huge Nintendo nerd and a big Zelda fan, getting the game day one. And when you first, like, walk out and look off that cliff face... Oh my gosh, it's insane. I remember playing it with my brothers, dude. He was like, I cried. It was really moving, because it's... It is! It's, it's also the biggest the biggest way it hits is you also have to kind of like know the first zelda game and this is going to sound kind of pretentious but like you have to know it was an open world game it really was it was like one of the first of its kind of like an open Mm. world non-jrpg game and like it almost came full circle in a really weird way back to legend of zelda breath of the wild with like the first person you meeting being an old man and he kind of sets you off on your journey and then there's this big world that like you get to explore and people were in awe back then at how big that world was and people were in awe now at how big breath of the wilds world was so it's like full circle i guess that's such a good comparison i never thought about that and you know breath of the wild obviously at least initially intended to be the 30 year anniversary celebration for zelda a little bit late i mean it was like a year late right yeah it was what march 2017 yeah, so it's fine. It's basically the same thing. I'm excited to see what they do for... Because next year's 35. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, when was the last remaster they did? Was it Twilight Princess? Oh, no, uh, Link's Awakening. Yes, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I forgot about that because I haven't played very much of it. Do I think it should have been $60? Not necessarily, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it deeply. It was honestly probably my second favorite, like, original Zelda-style experience. Wow. What, what does it fall right behind? Oh, Link Between Worlds. Of course. I've done multiple tier lists at this point, but, like, the two games that are in double S tier for me are Majora's Mask and Link Between Worlds because they are, in my opinion, the perfect versions of the two styles of Zelda. And then Breath of the Wild is a double S tier game, but I think it's unfair to compare it to the rest because Breath of the Wild is a game where you don't have to like Zelda to play it, but a lot of the other games, you have to like Zelda to play those. I think you could compare it to kind of bring it full circle to Star Wars, where like, I would argue, okay, I I don't want to get too controversial here, but I don't dislike The Last Jedi as much as many people do. Me neither. Good movie, bad Star Wars. Exactly. I think it is a movie that does a lot of interesting, cool things, but isn't a great Star Wars movie. And I think that's could be similar for Zelda. I don't know how much I agree with you on that point, but I understand where you're coming from with Breath of the Wild, because it is very different. What do you mean you don't necessarily agree with me? I don't know. It still has a very much of a Zelda feeling to me, but a lot of that is more of an X-Factor thing than a gameplay style thing or anything like that the thing is i will say like it's still a zelda game i guess it's just like in theme it's a zelda game but in gameplay it is far from it 
Yeah. And a lot of people will always go, oh, because it, like, my friend, we, we were doing a tier list, and he said, like, oh, the reason that you don't consider it to be a Zelda game is because it's not boring like the other ones. And I was like, that's not it. The thing is, I can see why some people find the other ones boring. I can really see it, because yeah. sometimes I find them boring in certain aspects. Cough, cough, the beginning of Twilight Princess. <laughs> I don't think that's as bad as you guys think it is. I made jokes about it um, as we were playing through it a few months ago. but You have to remember that was your first time playing through. That is true. A lot of parts of Zelda games become really monotonous in replays. Which might sound silly to some people, but Zelda games are very replayable. So, And that's like a good thing about a video game. You want it to be replayable. <laughs> well, so I actually just learned this. The reason why that beginning town thing is so long was it was originally only supposed to be one day. And then Miyamoto looked at it and went, I want it to be three days. Oh yeah, I heard this. Yeah, it was like five months before the game came out. Well, so apparently the reason he did it, and I can understand this, is because... It was honestly, like, the first, like, really big game, or one of the first really big games for the Wii that was, like, new. Because, like, the thing about, like, Wii sports and stuff was that was a Wii game, while Twilight Princess was a Zelda game, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the first Zelda game to use motion control, and it would not be the last, but he wanted it to be, like, a good tutorial, I guess, is what I... Yeah. I mean, don't forget, this is another one of those games that, I know you know, came out, you know right on the cusp of the GameCube and the Wii, so it's on both consoles, and so much of a difference to the fact that, yeah. you know, the game is entirely flipped between versions because of the motion controls. Yeah, it's, uh, what's it called? Uh, Link is, by default, a lefty, but because there are so many people who are right-handed with the Wii version, and only the Wii version, they didn't even do this in the Wii U version, they flipped the entire game just so Link could be right-handed. Which, same friend I was talking about earlier, he was sitting there playing Twilight Princess HD, and he was like, I can't play this. Like, it makes me sick because everything is just wrong. Yeah, well, because when you were playing, we're playing through together with another friend. Feats is the one who is, you know, he's the one who's controlling it. You would, like, you'd have to go to the Goron place, and I'd be like, oh, I know where you have to go for that. Go that way. And everyone was like, nope you have to go right and i was like oh great it, it it was very jarring i got used to it after a little while but it's very jarring it is still a great game i love twilight princess we still have a lot of ways to go in it another unfortunate casualty of this um current world situation but we'll get back there one day um i'm also like i'm looking at like patterns of what's happening of like when games are released and stuff and it looks like almost every time, starting with Skyward Sword, almost every main title game came out the same year as a remake. Skyward Sword came out the same year as the Ocarina of Time remaster, which kind of blows my mind. I did not realize the remaster was that old. Yeah, 2011. It was. I don't think it was a launch title for the 3DS, but it was early. It was early, yeah. And then Wind Waker and A Link Between Worlds. And then Triforce Heroes and Majora's Mask remake came out the same year. They literally, it was like, here's the best Zelda game, and then here is the worst Zelda game. Have fun. And then Twilight Princess didn't come out the same year as Breath of the Wild, but like, they were like, oh, wait a minute, we're actually going to release this, so we're just going to wait, and we're going to make that game a lot bigger. And then Link's Awakening Remastered. 
even though it's actually not even called remastered it's literally just called link's awakening i think it's because it's in a way it's technically not remastered it's just new graphics or something i don't know how to explain it but like yeah it's remastered but also it's its own game it's weird that technically came out the same year as cadence of hyrule except i wouldn't consider cadence of hyrule to be a main title no because i think it's I, it seems like it's more of a spin-off of the other series well, yeah it's what's it called it was basically i think the original oh no 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 it's uh crypt of the necrodancer cadence of hyrule crypt of the necrodancer featuring the legend so of it's featuring legend of zelda I will say, I think that was basically, like, uh, that was actually a really good move by Switch, by Nintendo being like, hey, so, like, your game is really popular, what if you made a sequel and will let you use Zelda characters, the only rule is it has to be on the Switch. Can I ask what Zelda game you're currently playing through? Uh, so, I'm actively playing through two right now, Spirit Tracks. Oh. And Minish Cap. Oh, yes. Yeah, I forgot you were doing Minish Cap. So I'll, I'll start by saying Minish Cap is overall the most mediocre Zelda game I think I've played. It's good. It's fine game. But, like, it exists, I guess. Yeah, because I remember you, you were going in and you were like, I don't know why nobody talks about this game. And then, like, a week later you were like, never mind, I, I found out. <laughs> Well, so the biggest issue that the game has, there's only, like, four or five dungeons, but there's a lot of backtracking. Like, a lot of it. Which, some other Zelda games are semi-notorious, with Spirit Tracks being one of them, but it sounds like not to the same degree. Yeah, I just think, I think they wanted to make a decent-sized world, but they didn't know how to, like, fill that world, so they were just like, just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like, I just feel like, I feel, once again, it's a good game, and you know what, I haven't beaten it yet, so maybe my opinion will change. Small menial tasks for a small menial boy. That's, I mean, that's effectively the game. Dang, that's so sad. Yeah, but, like, you know, it's it's still a fun game, and it, it, it does really cool stuff with, like, the shrinking feature. It's just, it's a very in the middle, like, I think I put it on C tier immediately. I would play it, maybe not again, but I'd play it. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, how's Spirit Tracks going? Because I remember the day that I got that game, whenever it even came out, I remember, like, unwrapping that for Christmas and being like, oh, yeah, baby. Okay, so I actually have two files on the same cartridge. I have one from, like, years ago at this point, and I got stuck at the top of the tower. Mm. And then I dropped it for a while. I don't remember anything from what I've already done. I remember very little bits and pieces. It's a very forgettable game, I'll be real. The thing is, I remember a lot from Phantom Hourglass. Like, I, I remember, like, a bunch of really cool parts in Phantom Hourglass. Spirit Tracks just doesn't do it right. And then, guess where I am now? I'm at the top of the tower. Oh, no. Yeah, so it's, like, a very not great game. And I'm a big proponent for Phantom Hourglass. Like, I believe Phantom Hourglass is underrated. I believe that they did it was it was a tech demo for the ds because it had microphone use it had touchscreen use but like it was still a good good game in my humble opinion it had really cool features it has one of my favorite characters from the zelda franchise which is lineback it just had a lot going for it and does it have bad parts yeah i mean it's a zelda game they all have somewhat rough parts but like spirit tracks just took everything that was bad about phantom hourglass and made it worse somehow i don't totally agree with phantom hourglass but i also haven't played it in over a decade so like what do i know 
I also could have, you know, nostalgia glasses on. Did I ever tell you the story of what made me play Phantom Hourglass in the first place? No, what, what happened? Um, so this is really strange, and maybe not that interesting, but I remember in, like, second grade, one of my friends who I haven't spoken to in ooh, probably over a decade, I don't even know where he is now, and he offered me the game guide to Phantom Hourglass, and I was like, uh, huh? And he was like, I don't need it anymore, I beat the game, and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't have the game, but I was like, sure, I think this, I think by then I knew what Zelda was. Do you still have this? Oh, yes, I do. Maybe I'll take a picture because it is the, like, it's literally falling apart at the seams. But yeah, it's like this kind of, not pocket-sized, but it's a small, compact guide Mm -hmm. to the game. I remember just reading through it as if it was a book before I had the game. And, like, it got me so fascinated, and I was, like, enthralled with it. Then I finally got the game, and I was like, eh, whatever. However, that is one of the few Zelda games I have actually beaten, so... I clearly liked it enough to beat it. I am very many in. There's no going back. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna play through Triforce Heroes at some point. I'm so gonna play that with you so we can suffer together because I've never actually gotten to play it with a human being. Do you have it? Yeah. Oh. Alright. Yeah, I got it because I remember Nintendo emailed me and was like, you, you've been selected to have three free demos of this game. And I tried it and it seemed fun when I played the demo. (laughs) You know what? Another thing might be, so when I did play it, I played it with my brothers. I am notorious for having a very short temper when it comes to games especially, and I probably screamed at my brothers a lot while we were playing it, so that might have clouded it. Maybe it's fun. I really hope it's fun. I don't know. I've heard not great things, to be honest. Yeah, I've heard that overall. It's just not a great game. Another thing that I actually, that I've always been interested in, and you kind of like made me think about it, is game guides. Oh, I adore video game guides, like physical game guides, because these were the things that, like, often before I had a video game, I would just comb over and be so fascinated by all the little secrets and stuff, because I was like, this is so cool. I think it's the Phantom Hourglass is a big, like, a big iconic game guide for me. That was probably my first and favorite one, but I remember getting, it was a, bit, it was a lot later, but, like, the Super Smash Brothers 4 game guide, because it would talk about, like, strategies and stuff, and I was like, no, I didn't know they had a game guide. It does, yeah, and it has, like, gameplay strats on, like, how to play certain characters. I will say, Nintendo definitely does have the best game guides. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I think I have the most Nintendo ones, honestly. Even though you can access all that stuff online now, and you could at the time it came out, there's a charm to it. I think they definitely still make them, because I think there's actually definitely still a market for them that people forget about. Oh, they totally do, and I think they give some away, at least digitally with games, because I remember there was some game, it might have been Breath of the Wild, I don't think it was, but there was some game where they literally, it came with a digital code for the game guide, and you could buy a physical one still, the uh, Prima, or Prima. So, I, 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 have you seen it yet, what I sent you? Yes, I was gonna say, the one you sent has, had lived in 218 for a few months, actually. Oh, right, I forgot, yeah. It was on um, top of our fridge. Yes, well, I also, those, and then the two Zelda books, actually. Mmm, that's true. It's for my personal favorite game of all time, The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. A big thing about it is, like, that's another game where, like, okay, at the time, the graphics were okay. They actually, a lot of people talked about it, and they were like, the graphics, even for then, were not fantastic. There are certain things in the game that actually do look really, really nice, and, like, I'm always like, yeah. Like, there's certain, like, scene, there's certain scenery that I really like, but oh my gosh, has some of the stuff aged so poorly, especially the, the character models, but that's fine. 
I actually have not read through it as much as I would have liked just because I'm doing like there's actually did I ever did I show you the notes in the book you didn't know okay so I bought it was three bucks I bought this like a year ago so I mean the book is probably like 13 or 14 years old at this point what's fun about this one is it actually like roasts oblivion a little bit and it is an official guide it is a Bethesda official guide Bethesda and Zenimax guide <laughs> There's one, I think it's very, like, light roasts, and it's, like, not that big. But there was, like, one or two, because there's so many races in the game. I think here, let me see if I can find it. But, like, there was one part where it was talking about one of the races. It was, like, it says, okay, so it's for the Argonian. And the notes say, weak skill bonuses and weak specials. Suitable only for lizard lovers and certain role-playing concepts. Ouch. Like, it literally is, like, we made this, we made this race. It's not great. <laughs> well, the, that's the thing about the Argonian. It is widely considered to just be like either it is your favorite race or you're just like it's the worst race in the game hold on i'm gonna ask you to fill for like a minute i want to go get my game guides if that's okay with you yeah sure that sounds fine i'll just talk about oblivion because i love oblivion so much it's my favorite game ever of all time um you know it's got it's got a lot of stuff going on i should put this up so you don't have to listen to me like flipping through but i have so many hours in that game i'm definitely actually gonna read through this my personal favorite way to play is just make a character role-playing for me is not a huge deal usually if i role-play in the game my character just ends up being an asshole anyway but what i do is i literally will just like go down streets and stuff and i'll just walk from place to place and if i see a cave you know i'm going in that cave and that was a really fun way to play and i built the character because there are ways you can build the character they actually even talk about this in the book like so if you're building a good character speechcraft don't use it because everyone will by the end of the game like a good as in heroic uh, character by the end of the game when you have enough fame it won't matter but like the fun way to play treasure hunting make your character big and strong pick a breton because they get a 50 percent resistance to magic which is dope i don't know if you heard that thud yes i did that was my stack of game giants <laughs> how many do you have so a lot more than i thought i have like f a little over a dozen i do have a force awakens concept art book oh Dude, the art of books with concept art is so cool. One day we will dive deep into concept art because, ooh. Actually, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that'd be a very good episode topic. You know what? You're right. <laughs> All this time we're talking about, like, the importance of visuals in in <laughs> art and we're here doing an auditory podcast. The thing is, though, the thing is, though, like, we can actually describe that, but, like, literally us flipping through concept art and, like, talking about it would be that would not be how it works the thing about a video game is someone you can literally just look up the video games we were talking about or i mean we didn't talk about any too too obscure games concept art's a little harder to do yeah i guess my favorite one of the stack that i have outside of phantom hourglass i have a bunch of zelda ones for most of the 3d games honestly but i think one of my favorites was the super mario galaxy one which was a game i always loved and there's something about that one that just had a charm to it I feel like sometimes the writing would have a little bit of, like, snark or cheesy jokes. And I was all here for that. Oh, yeah. Well, because a lot of the time they, they, they know that they've messed up. I think that's what makes certain game companies good. Is actually Nintendo, they're very good about... Like, a lot of their developers and stuff are always, like... Like, the guy, one of the guys who was, like, one of the heads of Majora's Mask, he was talking about how, like, when he was working on the 3D remake, he was like, yeah, I screwed up really bad in a lot of aspects. 
And that's one of the reasons why Bethesda has dropped off so much is because they make bad decisions and then do not acknowledge it at all. Oh, yeah, the guy you're referring to. Um, Yeah, wasn't it Majora's Mask where, like, he was looking back at the original and being like, oh, my God, why did I do that? And he gave, like, the developers a huge list of things that he was like, "These this needs, this needs to change. Well, no, it was a huge list of this needs to change, and apparently he made it in apology form. Like, he was like, I'm sorry I did it this way. Or it was basically like a confession almost. Like, he was like, I don't know what I was thinking. I should not have done it this way. And I think that's hysterical. Yeah, good on him, too. Like, self-awareness is not something that's easy to have. You get to Bethesda, and it's like... Yeah. Bethesda's made a lot of interesting choices. They used to be, like, such a cool company, and, like, a big part was, like, this was in, like, the original Oblivion documentary, when, like, Todd Howard's talking about, like, I was in the chess club, and um, now I'm making video games or whatever. Like, you know that clip, right? Yes. A big thing is, I think people forget how little power Todd Howard has in certain aspects. It's Bethesda's shareholders and chairmen that have all of the... It's marketing, basically. Marketing is the reason why they make all the bad decisions, and I'm not sure if Todd Howard himself is necessarily the bad guy. I think blaming it all on him is an issue. That's the thing with any video game company, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much going on, there's so many cogs, that, like, picking that one person is doesn't always really work. <laughs> yeah. He's not the CEO of... Well, so it's not Bethesda, it's ZeniMax owns Bethesda, and then... Oh, right. Todd Howard's just the executive producer, and yes, I'm sure he has made a lot of the mistakes, but the thing is, a lot of time, he's he's basically told, if you don't do this, we might not be as supportive about certain things. I don't know. I'm praying that Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be a good game. I was just going to say, when Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, you know, I'm sure it'll have great graphics, hopefully, but the thing I'm most excited about, easily that game guide, baby. Oh, yeah. That thing's going to be like a Bible. <laughs> Probably. A thing about Elder Scrolls 6, though, is just, like, that's the make or break for Bethesda. Yeah, especially after everything recently. If that goes poorly, they're done. They're not gonna, like, close down or anything, but I don't think they're gonna make games anymore. I think they're gonna they're gonna publish games. So, like, Doom and stuff. I'm glad Doom's going strong still. But yeah, I mean, we covered a lot of good stuff today. We did, yeah. It was different than what we had originally planned. Oh, yeah, this is not at all what we had planned initially, but you know what? That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. We, we kind of, I think we did a good job. I think we had a, we had a clean some good talks. We brought us some good points. As always, our conversation will probably drip over into future episodes. Because yes. we got a lot to say. Because, you know, we're totally authoritative voices. Oh, yeah. We have so much to say that no one has ever said before. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that all of the uh, ideas that we talked about today were completely and utterly original and... I don't think anybody has ever had those opinions before. Yeah, we are geniuses. Because we are right. You're wrong. I was I was going to say shut up, but that's very much not our thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, that would be literally stealing a quote from a running YouTube series. YouTube, uh-oh. Uh, oh. That might be the next episode. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? All well, right. in that case, we'll see you next episode, folks. Godspeed. Out of reservoir.